Welcome to Medical Breakthroughs from Penn Medicine, advancing medicine through precision diagnostics and novel therapies. This is ReachMD, and I'm your host, Dr. Jennifer Cottle, and with me today is Dr. Christian A. Bermudez, Surgical Director of Lung Transplantation and ECMO, Director of Thoracic Transplantation, and Associate Professor of Surgery at the Hospital of the University of Pennsylvania. The focus of our discussion today is ECMO, extracorporeal membrane oxygenation, and the path to transplant. Dr. Bermudez, welcome to the program. Thank you, Jennifer. Good afternoon. So let's get started. Can you talk about what the history or background is of lung transplant and mechanical support? Absolutely. Since 1983, where the first series of lung transplant was reported by uh, Dr. Joel Cooper, actually one of our colleagues now at, at Penn, uh, a lot has happened with, with lung transplantation. The, the number of patients that have been placed on the list is, continues to increase, and we have probably about 2,500 patients listed now for lung transplant uh, every year. Unfortunately, the number of organs available has been a, a, a very consistent and has not increased as we were expecting uh, due to multiple reasons. Uh, but if the number of donors that we get every year is close to 1,600, 1,700 uh, in the United States. If, for that reason, if the number of patients on the wait list has increased, and the severity of the disease is also, uh, has also increased. So we're seeing now sicker patients, uh, more frequently now mechanical ventilation, uh, coming to us to be evaluated for lung transplantation. Up to recently, we did not have a, a technologies to support them apart from mechanical ventilation. And we have seen over the last, I would say, 8 to 10 years, an increasing number of patients now being considered a, a supported on other technologies different to mechanical ventilation in the path a, to lung transplantation. One of these technologies a, that is the one that we're discussing today is called extracorporeal membrane oxygenation. That is actually an old technology that has been in use for more than 40 years that includes a, 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 an oxygenator and a pump that, fortunately for us, has had major improvement in the technology that it uses and is becoming more and more available to us to support these patients now for weeks and sometimes months as a bridge to lung transplant. Great. Now, you described a little bit about ECMO, or extracorporeal membrane oxygenation. Can you tell us a little bit more about what exactly it is and how it works? This uh, a product came uh, a, a, from uh, the bypass machine originally used to operate patients in, in open-heart surgeries. So uh, there were some uh, important studies done in the early 70s with the developing of the oxygenators that we use uh, to oxygenate the blood when we're doing bypass surgery in the uh, 50s. And uh, one of the improvements in the technology was the creation of the uh, membrane oxygenation or, or oxygenator. And with that, we were able to decrease the size of these uh, oxygenators in order to be able to sustain patients, not just in the operating room now, but also in the ICU. So this technology was developed in the early, mid-70s, with the first you know, case published in 1971. Uh, and again, ECMO consists of a, a portable oxygenator and a centrifugal pump that basically runs blood through this oxygenator that allows the mixing between the blood and the oxygen. 
With this, you can basically remove blood from the, the venous system and put it back into the arterial system now with high oxygen content, allowing patients with severe lung disease to be supported and oxygenated for, for a variable period of time. Unfortunately, this uh, technology requires, because you have a, 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 a fibers on the oxygenator and tubing that is connected to the patient, requires the use of a blood thinner, a heparin, and for that reason, there are com some complications that you know have been associated with the use of this technology, including bleeding and thrombolytic complications. Fortunately, over you know the years, this technology has improved and has allowed us to support these patients now for a longer period of time as a bridge to lung transplantation. What is the role of ECMO as a path to lung transplantation? Regarding the the role of ECMO today is probably the most advanced technology that we have to uh, uh, sustain patients that are not responding to a, a, the therapy with mechanical ventilation uh, as a bridge to transplantation. This technology has, uh, uh, has become so effective that in some cases allows even to remove the patient from the ventilator and uh, with the development of some of the newer cannulas is also, you know, allow us to basically mobilize the patient, make them walk, and have some degree of rehabilitation while they're in the support before they get to lung transplantation. So they can walk eventually in the ICU and, you know, get stronger before the operation. Can you talk about why this technology is gaining popularity in lung transplant patients? The reason why this technology is gaining popularity is because it again, provide a, a very efficient support and oxygenation. And uh, due to the, the improvement in the cannulas, especially that we're using to connect this technology to the patient, is allowing us now to mobilize the patient, get them out of bed, and get them stronger before we do the transplant. With this, we have been able to operate on patients that we did not consider in the past that came to us in profound degree of, of respiratory failure, and sometimes with hemodynamic involvement, or meaning with hypotension and unstable. So now with this technology, we're able to stabilize the patient, get them eventually moving, getting out of bed, and with increasing the chances of success of the, of the surgery. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Medical Breakthroughs from Penn Medicine on ReachMD. I'm your host, Dr. Jennifer Cottle, and with me today is Dr. Christian A. Bermudez, Surgical Director of Lung Transplantation and ECMO, and Associate Professor of Surgery at the Hospital of the University of Pennsylvania. So can you tell us how long a patient can be maintained on ECMO support? This is, is interesting. Uh, as we have gained experience with the use of the, te the technology, we have been increasing the time that we're supporting these patients, and we have recently had patients for more than four months supported on this technology waiting for a lung transplant. What uh, 10 years ago was a few days, and uh, uh, waiting uh, generally for a, a new uh, lung transplant, what we call retransplant when the organ had originally failed, with improvement in the technology and, 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 and the learning curve that we had with this technology, now we're able to support safely 
some of these patients, be, you know, for more than three months waiting for lung transplantation. That gave us the opportunity to consider patients that were sicker, more debilitated, with the ability now to get them stronger, uh, with increases chances, increasing chances of, of succeeding at the time of the operation. And what are some of the complications of uh, extracorporeal membrane oxygenation? With any of these technologies, you have you know a number of complications that could appear during support. Uh, some of them are related to uh, a bleeding due to the use of uh, blood thinner, in this case heparin. Some of them associated with the presence of thrombolytic complications due to the presence of a, a plastic material a, and fibers used on these devices. So it's not infrequent if, if the level of, of heparinization of blood, a blood thinning is low to get a thrombolytic complications in the form of a stroke or a, a embolic complications in the different organs, including liver, uh, kidneys, and, and extremities. Fortunately, we have very sophisticated ways to, to maintain a good anticoagulation during the support of these uh, patients, and the reality is that we minimize these complications to less than 5 and 10% of the case. Are there any other technologies being considered or developed as an alternative to ECMO? The reality is that it's been a, an explosion over the last, I would say, five to eight years of, of interest and, and, and studies you know, that are coming with the use of different technologies to support patients with respiratory failure. The number of patients in the U.S. Uh, hospitalized every year for, for different respiratory problems is more than than a 1.5 million. And about a 10% of them required a, some sort of mechanical support in the form of mechanical ventilation. And in certain cases, in about 2% of these cases, is the use of ECMO. Now, the use of ECMO in, in, in specifically lung transplantation is, is limited. And uh, the reality, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, our ability to support patients for more than four months still limited with these technologies. For this reason, that we're seeing a number of other devices coming that could potentially help us to support these patients for a longer period of time, sometimes not helping with the oxygenation, but helping with, for example, removal of carbon dioxide. That could be that is also a very frequent complication seen in patients with lung disease, especially in patients with cystic fibrosis and COPD. So there are some other technologies that could be beneficial and could keep these patients supported for even longer period of time. And we have at least two devices available in the U.S. that could do this. And we have published in the recent past some very successful experiences with these devices. Uh, now, there, uh, the, the ideal would be to have a device available that could support patients for years, not just as a bridge to lung transplantation, but also to support them in what we call a, a, a destination or, or in a permanent fashion. Unfortunately, I think we're still a few years ahead from uh, or behind, and I think that there's a lot of research to be done to be able to get devices that are biocompatible enough and, and, and that tolerate 
a, a implantation for more than six months. Now, again, a lot of technology is coming on the pipeline. I think this is a very exciting time for, for mechanical support, not just for lung transplant, but for all patients with respiratory failure. But still very important studies are ongoing, and unfortunately we don't have a definite you know, result, but in the near future we should have some of these technologies able to support patients for, for six or more months. Dr. Bermudez, is there anything else that you would like to add today? Again, the important comment that I want to make is that that fortunately for us and for our patients, we have now, and due to the very impressive improvement of the technology and the biocompatibility of some of the devices that we have available today, the opportunity to help patients that we did not have the ability to help in the past to get lung transplantation. So uh, this requires a, a, a very coordinated effort of the medical team and the nursing team because there are still technologies that are in certain way limited due to the, the, the need of, of, of heparin and, and anticoagulation and, and very specific care of the, of the devices. But the reality is that fortunately for our patients, we have now technologies that can give us, you know, months or, or, or weeks in certain cases to wait for a lung transplantation, improving the, the, the survival and, and the outcomes on, in, in our patients. Well, great. Dr. Bermudez, thank you so much for sharing your insights today. Thank you so much. I am your host, Dr. Jennifer Cottle. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to Medical Breakthroughs from Penn Medicine. To download this podcast or to access others in the series, please visit reachmd.com slash pen and visit Pen Physician Link, an exclusive program that helps referring physicians connect with Pen. Here you can find education resources, information about our expedited referral process, and communication tools. To learn more, visit www.penmedicine.org slash physician link. Thank you for listening.